Welcome back, everybody, to The Worst of All Worlds, where we have the best team, the best analysts, people who are literally never wrong about anything, who scream into the void that is the internet, trying to red pill people, trying to tell them the truth, and get only uh, infamy and uh, blacklisted for trying to do so. No, but uh, we have good fans. We have we got a lot of support when we moved over uh, to the new Substack page. That is going to be the new home for the podcast and uh we're actually getting pretty good at putting out regular content so uh i'm very excited i think uh there's a lot more to talk about and uh i just you know i we talked last time about the institute of reputation and how we need that and uh i would just encourage people to uh not be goldfish i would encourage them to uh have memories like remember what someone said a month ago two months ago three months ago and compare it to the situation today and what they're saying now and if you notice uh, that there is a discrepancy and this occurs several times, perhaps you should reevaluate the analytical skills of this person. Uh, a lot of these people who claim to be professional analysts or whatever, um, they're really just hiding behind their credentials. Uh, they don't really have a lot of like actual, um, you know, like it's, it's credentialism. That is a big problem in almost everything in academia. Uh, there's just credentialism. There's credentialism in the political class, credentialism in the military. And it's it's the same in the political analyst sphere, where a lot of people who just have the right certifications, you know, the right degrees or whatever, um, just get away with that and get away with the fact that they're hired by some Sputnik or whatever, and and they appear behind that like wallpaper that says, you know, TASS or you know, or, or like or World Economic Forum or something like that. You know, they just they, they they've got a couple of pictures of them with those fancy wallpapers. And that's enough to establish their cred. And I would encourage people not to do it that way, not to uh, use that as a criteria for evaluating people. I would encourage people instead uh, to look at their predictions, to look at what they're saying, and uh, just you know see if it see if it uh, adds up, see if it shapes up, and uh, just give it like give meritocracy a chance here. Um, that would be my pitch. But today we were going to talk about. Uh, some uh, some recent developments, I guess, and uh, some speculations, and we're gonna we're gonna make some predictions, I think, and then you guys can apply the same metric that I outlined uh, just now and see if if we measure up to it. And I think we're gonna do we're gonna pass with flying colors because we've been doing pretty well so far. Uh, so anyway, uh, today uh, I'm gonna throw it over to Marco because uh, just kind of a bigger a big picture question uh, to get us started. Uh, do you think the Kremlin regrets? Uh, this whole situation at this point do you think they regret a uh, special military operation are they like you know there, there, there seems to be a lot uh, of we don't know what's happening with these negotiations the news just broke uh that there's apparently some negotiations happening between russia and america and turkey right now and um you have to wonder uh yeah is is this a is this a buyer's remorse type thing uh you break it you buy it like what what's what are your thoughts it's a wide broad question i know you hate those marco but give it a shot what do you think uh, yeah, I definitely think that they regret it because, you know, that's how they have been acting. You know, the way they have been acting is like people with, with who have very little conviction in what they're doing. Like all this procrastination and then, you know, improvisation and just trying to, you know, cheapskate on everything. It, 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 it's, it, it's incredibly strange. Like, for example, let's take, let's take a look at the mobilization, right? It took seven months, you know, you know just to start mobilizing. But okay, let you know. Let's say that that's good and fine. You know that, that you know that there's some good reason for that. You know, other than you know that that, that you started something that that, that you now regret. You, you bit into more than you can chew off. You know. But look, 
uh, okay, look, you, you're going to do it, you know, not right away, but, you know, later on, after seven months. But you're not even going to, you're not even going to, you know, when it was started, it, it, it was absolutely obvious that they hadn't planned this for at the maximum, like, two weeks, you know. The way it was so ad hoc, the, the, the way so little, you know, had been prepared, you know, uh, for those people who, who are going to be taken in. And, and, and that's that's like extraordinarily strange. And then you know you have even you know trying to cheapskate on this, you know, because the rules are, you know, the, the 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 central budget, like the military budget, you know, only takes care of, of some of the equipment. So uh, you know, I don't know precisely, but like weapons, for example, you know, whereas everything else, you know, including the salaries, uh, is supposed to be paid by the regions, and and. Uh, and the result of that is is the is the the people who are mobilized, you know, their equipment varies widely, you know, and and like a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, do not get everything that they're supposed to get, and you know, then they ha have to fundraise on the internet for that, you know, like that is insane, you know, like your soldiers are having to fundraise on the internet, you know, for goals, you know, for like for like just the basic, for just the most rudimentary stuff, you know, that that, that could, you know, that that at least in in a, some kind of a semi-functional state you know could could, could be could be sold, sold on the cheap i mean how much does it cost you know to to, to get every soldier a med kit what you, you you know you can buy those by you know ten dollars in china you know what's the problem here and and like they, they didn't prepare anything you know and, and even now they're they're trying to cheapskate like i i don't need to even talk about you know the number of troops you know and how or how late it took them to mobilize like they cannot get people you know like base very basic equipment you know like like make sure make sure everybody gets a sleeping bag and all that like that like that's too problematic for them it's like no no we, we're not gonna pay for that you you regions pay for that not the central budget like what the hell you know like like what kind of a war is this like what is this well it used to be that it was the militia that had these problems and we were and um we were involved in like I mean, this is not, guys. This is not like fake news. This is, uh, I can vouch for that personally. I've, I've literally been in fundraisers. I mean, I fundraised for Krieger to get his equipment, and uh, Krieger is not even a volunteer militia. He was a, his, his squad and his buddies decided that they needed a, a quadricopter for reconnaissance, so we helped them with that. Um, you know, I've, I can personally vouch for the fact that we, that we've had to fundraise, um, and. Yeah, and so the problem I thought in the beginning, uh, you got these pros who were sent in, you know, the two hundred thousand pros, and then you had the the militia, and the militia were the ones that were under equipped, and you know that's a travesty or whatever. But I sort of chalked it up to the Donbass being very corrupt, and um, you know just the FSB stealing stuff at the border. Um, but now what you're saying and what we're seeing with these videos emerging is. Uh, that the soldiers uh, themselves are not like that the the mobilized people are not getting properly equipped and does that not indicate that they they never really i mean it, it, like i don't know what the problem is is the problem corruption or is the problem that they just weren't ready like they didn't have the stuff ready because they weren't planning on on mobilizing like that that's probably why they held off on mobilization for so long cuz they didn't they didn't prepare for that they didn't make a contingency plan for it right um so which well, one is it well, and well, it well, matter well, 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 it's both. I mean, of course, there is corruption, you know, but you know that you have corruption, right? And you know that you might need to have to mobilize, you know, so 
you know, and you had seven months, you know, to 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 to, to make sure that it goes. Yeah, but the soldiers smooth. keep saying that someone keeps showing up and stealing. Yeah, they keep saying that like people show <laughs> yeah, up so. and just like steal their stuff. Like, what? Who is doing the stealing? Like, what's going on with that? Do we yeah, know? I, I don't know. I don't know if they're stealing the, the stuff. Wouldn't they be stealing the funds and just not buy what they're supposed to? Well, buy? I mean, in in the videos, you can hear them saying that, like, you know, we had this stuff, and then some people pulled up, and they just took. Uh, uh, hey, but but you know, before you're talking about Both a as well. militia, I don't know. Uh, can you clarify for us? Uh, you know, who do you mean by by militia? Who who was under equipped before? Sorry, uh, you you went in and out there for a sec. Could you repeat what you just said? Uh, yeah, you also went in and out. Uh, it's like the, uh, before we're talking about militias, they're uh, they were under equipped. Like I'm not aware of militias on, on the Russian side. You mean the mobilized people from Donbas, or you mean the Rosguardia, or who exactly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, I meant the the people on LNR and DNR. Um, but uh, and now we're saying that it's it's the mobilized as well. So the pro the problem has expanded in scope, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that was a strange situation. What, 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 what you were, what you were seeing there in, in, in Donbass. You know, with like, just have they had a general mobilization, right? You know, to, to fight. But uh, meanwhile, you know, people from Crimea, you know, not even conscripts are serving. So this is, this, this is becoming more equalized now. And, uh, and for example, uh, Putin has now, you know, freed the students who had been mobilized from from donbass to go back home you know so so this situation that existed before where like where like uh people in you know in donbass and the territories that are, uh you know where they were like totally second tier you know like citizens of this russian world civilization you know you know hopefully that's gonna get equalized even more i mean if they had general mobilization then not just students but 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 even some other people should be released uh, uh you know I, I don't exactly see what they what what they should be carrying a burden you know that that's so much bigger than, than other people in russia have to but but look uh it, this you know two-tieredness it, it got fixed in this way but what about hersonians i mean they were told, "Hey, you, you Russians now. You have all the same rights. Like we're gonna defend you just the way we would defend, you know, Vladivostok." And you know, six weeks, six weeks later, so oh, sorry, bye bye. You know, like, you know, but okay, they gave them a chance, you know, to leave their homes and property behind, you know, to stay safe, to 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 save at least their own bare lives, you know. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen to them. I I really wonder where they're going to be resettled. And uh, and you know, we just you just know it's not going to go smoothly. You know, there's going to be a well, lot of well, well, it's going to be like always. They're going to get you know super great promises of you know like how oh, we're going to take care of you in this way and that way. You know, Sobyani is going to build you know new new flats for you. You know, modern flats and all that. He likes building those. And and then you know like a third of them is going to get them and a third of them is going to get some help, but not that. And the third is probably you know. It's gonna be end up, you know, somebody embezzling the money that's supposed to go to them, and you know. Hey guys, I ha I have a hot scoop for you. So um, I was checking Top War this morning, and there's a very interesting article about the untimely death of uh, Kirill 
Stremusov, the deputy head of the Harrison region, who died purportedly in a car accident on the same day of the retreat. And we spoke about him very briefly. But this article goes into so so we were I think we were all sort of wondering, you know, what is this guy's background? What was he saying? And um so I, I want to read some did the quote his last interview before he died, and it's really quite interesting. Like here, hold on, I, I gotta pull it up. So this is this is Kirill speaking. Um, I am primarily interested in the civilian population, interested in the residents of Kherson, whom I personally promise that Russia will forever be in Kherson. Believe me, I have a moral right to declare this, yada, yada, yada. And okay, this is the best part though. It's, he's basically saying, look, I, I I, believe this to the point that I'm ready to resign my powers and not be part of this system, a person who is not responsible for his words. And so it sounds like this is a guy who probably would have put up a big stink, you know, uh, following the, the withdrawal. And the article goes on to talk about how there are like aside from just the massive coincidence of his death, they talk about how in in a time where basically so many aspects of this conflict are caught in real time, either on video camera or on cell phones, whatever. Apparently, reportedly, photographs of the accident site didn't weren't made public until like six or seven hours after he was declared dead, and there's no video of him like in any kind of state of death around this accident. It's just like a car that's flipped over on the road and he's dead. And anyway, the, the article basically says, look, this is sketchy and there needs to be a full investigation because if there is not, people are gonna assume that there was foul play involved here on Moscow side. So, I mean, Top War, for those who might not know, topwar.ru, military review, it's Russia's number one military news portal, extremely, pro special military operation. I don't think I've ever seen them write an unkind word about Putin. So it's, I think it's a very big tell that, um, you know, they're writing, they're, they're writing about this stuff. Right. But, you know, I think that the stink is already being raised. Like, uh, it's, um, you know, I mean, I, I see it on even the main channels who've been actually you know, it's it's equal parts bad and equal parts good because they will sort of toe the narrative line, but they 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 ask a lot of hard questions, like uh, this one clip that was uh, was shared. Uh, I think maybe Marco found it, um, which was on Channel One, uh, the the number one uh, apart from Solovyov, like the this like one of those things where they have experts on and they and pundits and they just yell at each other, uh, which are very popular in Russia, and they were like saying, well, look. Um, how is it like that we got into this situation? Uh, we have so many questions about who planned the beginning of this operation. Uh, and uh, for now, that's all we have is questions. We don't have any answers. And this is stuff that's like, this is channel one, you know, this is state media. So I think this thing is being raised. A lot of people are raising a lot of questions. Dugan's raising, whatever you may think of him, he's raising questions. Uh, channel one people on it are raising questions I don't listen to the radio anymore but um people in my family do and uh, they're, they're they're going ballistic um, Russian radio in general is a little bit more uh, truthful than uh, the state uh, the the televised version and um, 
it's all over the internet, as you guys know. Uh, you've been sending links and everything. We even have the Don Bass Cowboy himself, uh, who's become super blackpilled because of it. So, you know, that's like a weird way of dealing with that problem, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's like a really... I have no idea. I mean, I'm not defending. I mean, who, who like if we're talking about the fact that foul play was involved with this, uh, you know, the civilian head of her son's death, right? Then we have to ask the question, you know, if it's not Ukraine that did it, and we're saying it was someone in Russia that did it, well, who who would have the capability to do that? And the answer, there's only one agency uh, that comes to mind, and I guess people don't want to take that next logical step, right? I mean, in that article that you mentioned, they don't like point fingers concretely at somebody right they're just sort of hinting at it from what i understand right yeah i know you're right but although in a previous article about top war also went ballistic with the harrison pullout they were much more explicit and they basically said like i mean they basically said that moscow was responsible but not in such explicit yeah. words but there was no room for interpretation really yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just reading that one. More, moreover, the fact that Stremuso was removed is especially negative. Yes, the man, eternal memory to him was peculiar and purposeful. So th they like him, and I think he was removed. I mean, at least one of the authors. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Whenever they say, whenever they mention him, it, 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 it's in this light. So. Well, I'm, look, I'm, to give Rolo credit, I think it is important to not, you know, we should we should try to be, we should play carefully and delicately but, but, with but the facts. I, 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 yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter. I mean, ju ju just the fact that the, the dude, you know, died and like all, all the patriots are like thinking or, you know, pointing a finger, you know, or, or you know, just, just, just suspecting. You know their own side of having it done. It you know is extraordinarily it a lot. damning. You know it says a lot. Yeah, it says a lot. It does say it doesn't say a lot. And actually, in the in the top war op-ed, not from today, um, the most recent one, but one that I cited uh, recently before that, they they point to the fact they're like, well, you know, well, how is it that all of the super patriotic rebel leaders, you know, had these unfortunate ends, and in in Donetsk, and no one, you know. I mean, basically, they're saying this. This looks like another very sketchy assassination that maybe the FSB was involved in. I mean, they basically said that. So, yeah, it's 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 wild. It, it's it's well. I mean, I I I'm never really pulled punches about the FSB, but uh, this actually ties in pretty well to another topic that um, I think I was the only one harping on about it. Uh, which is like, okay, well, look, society is going to have some questions to ask. Like, who who was the mastermind behind this whole thing? And and now, like, even mainstream people, I was reading, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Boyko or something? Uh, no, it's uh, f not Fomenko. Uh, um, Karibko? Karibko? Karibko, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, this guy is like, you know, Sputnik, RT. He's on Substack for some reason. And, you know, credit to him where it's due, he did basically say that the that the, the key of operation was a, was the result of a massive intelligence failure there's no other way to to you know to square that circle it wasn't a, you know this whole thing about how it was a strategic feint that meme died in russia long before it died in, in the the pro-russia blogosphere now they don't talk about it anymore because they just they they don't want to <laughs> 
I don't know. They, they, I think they wisened up to that fact. So in America, you know, in the West, you had like for several months after the fact that this talking point was dropped in Russia, uh, these guys were still pushing it. But uh, so now we're having people come out and honestly talk about it and ask questions, even on state media that like, you know, so, okay, who, who, who planned it? And one of the answers, I believe, is this uh, so-called uh, fifth department or fifth uh, service of the FSB that uh, doesn't exist if you, uh, you know, if you're in Russia, it doesn't exist. But no, no, uh, I'm, pre I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that it's official, but it, you know, its name is something else, like service for this and that. Yeah, you sent that link, uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 uh, bloggers obviously in Russia have written about it, um, but and and the Western media has written about it, and Moscow Times, which is I think you all know, it's not exactly a, a patriotic. Uh, pro-Russian publication. It's it's a it's a it's a Western mouthpiece. They wrote about it as well. So there's a lot of like Western sources talking about it, and I think it makes a lot of sense that the FSB was in charge of this opportunity. They're the ones that came up with this half-baked scheme. They're the ones that whose assets on the ground were supposed to be activated. They're the ones in contact with uh, Medvedchuk. Uh, so if we're going to ask who cocked this up, the answer is quite clear, and no one's quite ready to say it yet. But everyone's starting to like figure it out, you know. Everyone's starting to hint at it. It's like, well, if it's you know, we, we got to answer the question: Who was in charge? Who who cooked it up? Who came up with the intel? Who had the plan? People are going to ask that question in Russia, and you know, just thinking one or two steps ahead, you know, it's only a matter of time that that people are going to start demanding answers for who was in charge of this. So somebody's star is about to really fall. And someone's gonna get hit with the with the, the the ire of the Russian people, and I think and I have a, and I have a you know a suspicion that I think I know who it's gonna be. So, you know, if I'm a little bit critical of them, if we're a little bit critical of this organization, you know, wait a month, wait a month or two, uh, you know, wait until the Ukrainians take some more territory, and uh, you know, Russian people are are asking hard questions. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I think all of a sudden it might be normalized. All of a sudden it might be the most achievedne thing. It might it must be the most like obvious thing to ask these questions, even though it seems totally weird to ask it now because you know the the goldfish haven't been told to ask this question yet. But eventually, I, I mean, can we not see one or two steps ahead and figure out that? guys yeah i lost uh, sound you, there you, i don't know is it you uh i think the fsb cut your mic oh yeah yeah i start talking about it and my mic uh peters out no my, my question to you guys was like uh i mean what do you think do you think that you know this is going to lead to some hard questions being asked i mean the death of stramusov the questions about who planned the operation like what what are your thoughts just you know play around with the idea i don't know what do you think I I don't think so. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna make themselves useful in, in in some other way. You know, they're gonna be, hey, but you need us. You know, if if Ukrainians are trying to assassinate Dugin and, and so on, you know, you need us for that. You know, I mean, not necessarily the people. You know, but 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 you know, Putin and, and so on. They can always, you know, sell some utility of theirs. You know, to him. 
Okay, I mean, but 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 yeah, maybe he's no longer gonna have them planning wars for him, you know, and selling him on the ideas of hey, you know, you know, all we need to do is show up, and you know, people are gonna throw flowers uh, at us. Okay, okay, all right. Anyway, uh, uh, you want guys, you want to talk about the G twenty uh, article that Riley wrote? Dig into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we could just briefly touch on it basically you know we have the g20 going on indonesia nice island paradise of bali and um so basically what happened was over the weekend all of the financial and health ministers of the g20 met and agreed that they would sign off on this new pandemic fund which is was created by the World Bank in partnership with the WHO. And major donors include the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, the Wellcome Trust, Rockefeller Foundation, you know, all, all of the wonderful philanthropic health-preserving organizations. And uh, not only did Russia support this move, um, Russia's finance minister, Anton uh, Silanov, came out and he said, uh, you know, we have this sanitary shield program in Russia, which is this biosecurity program where when faced with an alleged bio threat or new pandemic or virus or whatever, they it's this program that is supposed to pump out new Sputnik V-like genetic injections and PCR tests. And he suggests to the rest of the G20, why don't we just create a global sanitary shield so everyone will be safe from the dreaded future viruses. This is something he's actually been saying for quite a long time. He said the exact same thing at a G20 conference last year. So it's actually not a new suggestion. Anyway, and also Mikhail Moroshko, who is the Russian health minister and the a member of the WHO executive board. He also attended via video link and was just talking about how great the WHO is and how it should take a leading role in maintaining and strengthening the global healthcare architecture, whatever insane word salad they use now for this kind of garbage. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's just another reminder, unfortunately, regretfully the end of the day you know geopolitics aside everyone's in on the virus scam and in fact the the indonesian health minister this guy i forget his name actually he gave a press conference after this meeting and and this is literally what he said Hold on i gotta i gotta find it look it is very difficult to reach consensus in the current geopolitical situation but in this geopolitical situation we managed to reach consensus on the creation of this fund and this is the most important thing. <laughs> so this is like, it's just, it's so insulting and humiliating to us all, you know? And well, I can't say I'm surprised, but it is what it is. So yeah, that's, that's the report from Indonesia. Thank you, Riley, for that optimistic report. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to turn you back to the panel. You are welcome. <laughs> yeah uh no it's it's been a it's been a, a long string of bad news i think uh for people with our views i'm just i'm paying attention to to the people who are speaking out against it i'm paying attention to organizations or the kind of person that's 
against this sort of thing. I mean, the fact that we keep bringing up Vienna Brazovania, uh, top war, um, which is basically a bunch of veterans, uh, it, it kind of proves my point that I, I, you know, I'm like a pro-military guy, and I'm like, well, you know, these these guys are pretty good on the money here, and um, you know, if there's any hope, it's it's maybe these kinds of people. But uh, it, yeah, it seems it's it's like we we hear on one side rhetoric that like the West is Satan, and then uh, top Russian officials meet with the West, and they say, yeah, we you know like we we want to be involved, like we want to be part of the club. Uh, don't don't kick us out. You know, we'll we'll figure things out. Don't worry, we'll. So uh, back to the negotiations happening in Turkey. Is there anything Russia can give, can concede, or like what? From what I understand, the terms would be pretty harsh uh, against Russia. So, what what is the point of these negotiations? Is it to buy time? Maybe five D chess? What do you guys think? Uh, I, I I have no idea. Like like I have absolutely no idea. But but you know, it, it doesn't have to be some. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a complete deal. You know, you know, they could be talking about some s s some you know technical stuff, some minor stuff, or you know, just just exploring things. But but they are meeting. I actually buy that because because I said that uh, I have a feeling that Kremlin regrets having having started this. But you know, it doesn't matter what you regret. You know, it doesn't mean that you can get out of it. You know, just because you're regretting it. Uh, and Narishkin, we remember him, right, from the recognition of Donbass. You know, he he is exactly you know who they would send. I mean, if Lara goes there. It's public, right? But he can go there incognito, and, uh, and 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 you know he was foreign intelligence, and and his agency uh, was not the agency planning this war, and 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 he was quite uh, shocked, you know, to to see what what was going to happen. We remember that uh, that uh, TV event where they were all like, you know, where they made this show where you know the whole cabinet was like, yeah, we we think recognizing Donbass. Is the right thing to, to do, and 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 he was like shocked, you know. He, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, he didn't want to contradict anybody, but but he was also afraid, you know, to say that because you know he he thought you know it might lead to some, it it was going to lead to some so, something bad, some madness here. Yeah, I have a, oh, that I have flies. A that fl yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, a question for both of you, fine gentlemen. I'm hearing a lot now this narrative, and I'm not even saying it's necessarily impossible, but basically the narrative I'm hearing now is uh, the withdrawal, although maybe regretful, was necessary, and Russia is going to be able to gear up for an offensive in the next few months, and as a result, Washington is like, you know, pissing its, its pants, and it wants peace or wants some sort of deal. But no one seems to be pointing out the fact that the Russian foreign ministry has openly stated that it wants it will negotiate without preconditions. So while these these alleged secret negotiations are going on in Turkey, I mean the official position of the Russian foreign ministry now is like we're ready to sit down without preconditions and find a solution to this. I don't know. It's just I just don't get it. I think the saving grace will be that they just they're just going to give Russia conditions that even Russia cannot accept and you know the conflict will continue. I, I think well, well yeah, 
yeah absolutely and and if you're moscow you know that you know so so why did you wait sand months to mobilize and so on but but uh, i'm just repeating all this but look uh, the, the thing is what Riley said, you know, her own military necessity and, you know, it's just going to make the winter offensive, you know, even more badass because now they have even more troops. It's like it's like this, you know, if you're saying, you know, this was a military necessity and, you know, such a great military decision. OK, great. You know, if you're saying fine, but then I want to see your article from three months ago where you were where you were saying also this, where you were saying, you know what, Russia should retreat from her zone. You know, I've looked into the situation, you know, like. Like, like the bridge is shot, you know, the, the, the bridge was, you know, heavily damaged in August. So, you know, I want to see your article, you know, from August, from September, from October, where you wrote this stuff, where you said, look, you know, I've looked into it and I like, you know, this Kherson, you know, let us withdraw from there, from there, and we're going to have more troops for the winter, for the winter offensive, you know, if, if, if you know, if, but no, instead of the people who are the most like, oh, this is the most best correct decision ever, how dare you question Putin? They're the people, you know, who like two weeks ago were like, no, Kherson is never going to fall. Ukraine is having such, yeah, such, and you are, you know, uh, such uh, huge losses, you know. And, 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 yeah, and, and, and that you're so working on, for like, British intelligence if you if you uh, insist otherwise. So Also, wasn't there this whole meme where it was like Russia was just massacring all these failed Ukrainian, you know, attempts at the city or the surrounding area? So why retreat? Well, I mean, it sounded like things are going great. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they, 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 yeah, the yeah, Ukrainians exactly. were sending probes, and I mean, the Russians were pushing them back. They were talking about, well, Scott Ritter talks about 12,000 dead, like in a week or something. Like, I mean, he has well, these he also, yeah, he, he also said things. that during the retreat that the Ukrainians would also lose another 12,000, just taking her son. Or, right, so, I which mean. I don't think happened. I'm pretty sure they just drove yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like, you know, supposedly, I don't know, seven to one casualties, casualty radius and so on. Ooh, yeah, exactly. If that's true, then, you know, just let them keep on attacking you, you know, take seven to one ca casualties, you know, like, be destroying 12,000 of them in a week, you know, like, isn't that what, what, what you would do? So, you know, how, how do you square all these things? But the thing is, I, I actually... It, it, you know, a, a few times before, I, I did say, look, I mean, it would make a, a certain sense to withdraw. You know, well, well, all these people still say, oh, no, it's such a great thing, you know, the, you know that Ukrainians are being totally massacred, that, you know, Kherson is like super, super safe. I was like, no, actually, you know, like, you can make an argument that, that retreat would actually be, be, be better, you know. Yeah, I, I, put, I, put, I said the same thing. I put my cards on the line. I said, look, it just... You know, just don't make a big deal out of it. Like, if you got to retreat, you got to retreat. I mean, it's baked into the cake at this point. You don't have enough men. And now on state TV in that same clip that you sent, they're talking about, oh, the Ukrainians enjoy a four to one numeric advantage. And I'm bitter because, you know, I actually spend a lot of time talking to like Russians, you know, in the various chat type, you know, media projects I'm involved in uh, in Russia. And. I was getting shat on the whole time, you know, my whole like give up her song position, my whole like they're outnumbered. I, I was saying they're outnumbered like two, three to one. Now they're saying on state TV that they were outnumbered four to one. You know, I was talking about how the Ukrainians had masked up and they were getting ready to, to make a push. And they were like, no, Ukrainians have retreated. They've given up. They know they can't take her son. So and now and now I'm like the one, you know, who's like more calm about the situation, whereas they're the ones freaking out about it. And it's, it's just why can't people and, learn? And, and yeah. And maybe don't annex it, you know, like maybe don't annex it, you know, if, if you're already thinking like, I, I don't think we can hold this, you know, like, you know, this is ridiculous. And look, this, this tells us so much that they don't know what they're doing. They're improvising. They're making up things, you know, as they go along. And, and look, this is what I heard. This is what I heard is that, you know, like 
Putin had mostly been, you know, contented, you know, to uh, to get his briefings from Shoigu. And this is just a total rumor, okay? But you know, if it's if it's remotely true, it would actually make a lot of sense. He, but then, you know, during the summer, you know, he started calling his generals, you know, and, and directly, you know, like uh, uh, asking them, you know, about the situation and, and and so on. And they took this opportunity, you know, to ask him for a withdrawal from Kherson. And you know, they obviously didn't. Didn't get this. Uh, didn't get this green light. Instead, after Harkov, they got uh, mobilization. Right? You know, they got 300 more troops, which probably is 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 even more useful to them. You know, than than withdrawing from Kherson and you know freeing up I don't know 30,000. 30, uh, so th this is this is what I think happened. Is like. It's like they're asking for a withdrawal, and he gave them the counteroffer. No, how about you keep it, and and, and you know I'm I'm gonna mobilize. I'm I'm gonna get you more troops, but keep it, you know. And then when he made, because he made uh, the decisions were made in tandem, right? In mobilization was the was uh, was declared one day after uh, referendums were announced, you know. So so it was just one decision to 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 you know no we're gonna keep these territories and we're gonna signal that we're keeping them forever but you do get three hundred thousand troops you know to 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 defend them you know and 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 apparently they uh, after they had already annexed it you know they went back at it they took a look and they're like no you know what. Uh, you know, thank you for the 300,000 troops. You know, it's going to help us a lot in other areas, but you know, Kherson is still kind of sketchy. We, we, you know, we, we we still need to withdraw from there. So, well, I mean, this indicates to me everything that we've talked about today that there are factions within Russia's ruling class. You have the one faction that really wants to head over to Indonesia, to Bali, and you know, rub shoulders with the West and reassure them that they're on board with the the thing. And you got another faction that's not really that competent and kind of a cheapskate and slow. But, you know, they do, they are trying to put up a resistance uh, on some level. You got to give them that. I mean. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Time out here for a second. Roll. I can't let you get the way. Are you telling me that, I mean, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're putting Putin in the, in the less poopy faction. But are you suggesting that the Kremlin has in any way, shape or form been like against the, the virus scale? Uh, no, I'm I'm not. Uh, although I don't know, I mean, Putin publicly said multiple times there wouldn't be compulsory vaccinations, and then we all know what happened. No, 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 no. He never he never said there wouldn't be. He said he's personally personally opposed to it. Right. Yeah. And, well, and that, and that there and that there is no lawful provision for that in Russian legislation. Yeah. Right. Right. But it just happened anyway. And right after the Duma state Duma elections, and it all happened I, at the same time. I, I, I mean, I don't know why people fell fell for that because he was answering those questions the same the same way he was answering when he was you know being asked if he's gonna run you know for like I don't know sixth time or fifth time you know you know uh, you know they ask him directly are you gonna are you gonna run and he's like uh, that will that's not in the constitution. <laughs> Oh, right, wait, but I you know, like compared to compared to America, I mean, <laughs> no, you got like the, this savior of COVID, the guy who fought COVID tyranny, DeSantis, this hero. I mean, he was for all of this as well, and the the, the best he ever said. I mean, he went further. So I'm just like, who are we comparing it to? The the gold standard is well, obviously Lukashenko. I don't. But. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, Luca is just in his own. He's in a. Well, you can't compare Luca to anyone. 
Well, well, well. There, there is Christy Noem. You know, like you know, Christy Noem was was against all that from the beginning. The scientists first went along with it, and then you know he started researching, you know, and and phoning scientists and so on. And then, like I don't know, in May or maybe not in May, but like in the summer, he just you know like 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 canceled just about everything, you know. So and and then he also publicly just publicly he would go on and you know and talk about this and always push back and and you know invite those Stanford scientists, you know, and and you know. Uh, try to promote you know their message and stuff like that i mean i mean he was a badass like uh, and you know uh, it, uh and uh, for me he totally washed away you know his first you know four or five months of conformism with that yeah i mean yeah okay but like you know that's the position of trump was also we, we wouldn't want uh, mandatory vaccination i'm just saying the stand the no, bar no, is no. so low the bar no, no, is so no. low. The scientists and Trump and Trump were way were way like way different. I mean, Trump wouldn't do anything. Like what? He, the the only thing he did was like he he, he hired uh, uh, Scott Atlas. And that's it. You know, very very late on. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I a, the bar is low. <laughs> very low. I have a totally I have a totally unrelated question for you guys. Sorry to change the subject, but I was just thinking about this. Um, do you think that Putin is going to do a direct line this year? Because it's, I think it's been postponed at least twice now. I think he was supposed to do it over the summer, and then he was supposed to do it in September, I think. And oh, so now I, it's like, is this is he going to do the direct line? He has to at some. I mean, that is his like that is a no, huge no priority. And whatever the the questions are screened anyway, but like we know what the questions would be. Obviously, it would be these refugees. Uh, from the war being like, yeah, we didn't get the housing because we just know that's going to happen, right? It's going to be some people who are saying, you know, we didn't get the equipment we need to operate the field hospital or something like that. Yeah, but we know what's going to, what it's going to be. It's just going to be okay. like this. Here's yeah, the question. It would, yeah. And it would be, where's my son? You know, he, he was declared missing uh, six months ago, you know, and still don't have his body. So here's the question for both of you. Let's, in a, let's create a hypothetical situation where they keep they keep postponing it, and there's no direct line this year. Do you, do you think that this is a? I mean, is that a big party foul? Do you think it's going to reflect? No, no, it would be a mistake on Putin's part. I mean, he has to be present himself as the guy who's trying to right the ship. Now, you know, he's like he's got to basically drop the line. He's got to say, uh, you know, we, you all know what uh, bardak we have in our country, and you know, I'm trying to figure it out and I'm doing my best. I mean, that is the line that he needs to do. He needs to appear to be concerned about all of this. That is that is the winning formula where he like presents. Him. That's what he's always done. He's always presented himself as like the, this like reasonable guy who's like, oh, OK, these guys didn't pay your salary or these guys stole money from this region. Here we go again. You know, this is this is unacceptable. We have to fix it. And, and he makes examples out of people. So if anything, what will happen and then everyone will cry foul about that is that he will do it. He will make public examples of like a few of the most egregious things that are happening. And then people will say, oh, you know, this is just all for show. He's not, it's not systematic. It's just, you know, it's proof that the system is broken in Russia because you have to, uh, you know, appeal to the Tsar to get a few things fixed. And it's just a way for him to cynically bolster his popularity, even though it's his system that's, to, that's at fault. So, you know, that's, that's the line that, that, that's how I see it playing out. But go ahead with your opinion. Marco, what do you think? 
uh yeah the way rollo puts it now it, it really it really sounds like it would actually be uh you know he can turn it in, into his favor like 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 he can profit from this you know like l l you know he can do the usual thing you know like berate some official in the far east who didn't fix some potholes you know but, but now it's going to be you know like uh berating some some official you know who who had to scramble you know to get him like 50,000 troops in, in in like two weeks and you know he accidentally uh, sent uh, a, a summons to some guy who is, who is 65 year old. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know. I, is this something I think else we both, about? And um, I think we both yeah. agree on the fact that Putin could definitely uh, use it to his advantage. I mean, it's a stage he can he controls, and uh, he can obviously personally intervene and fix some problems. And there's really no reason for him not to make this play. Um, so. It would, it would, if anything, it would bolster his popularity with the people because they would see him as like the only true, honest person that they can uh, appeal to who has Russia's interest, uh, Russia's interests at heart. So, and it, and it yeah, also I, solidifies his position vis-a-vis -vis other people because you can portray them as incompetent fools that he has to, you know, he's like a retard wrangler. He's like running around wrangling all the tards, trying to get the state to to run. That's the image that he has now. Why wouldn't he stick to it? Yeah, and, and a lot of people are on the pay, you know, to to sort of uh, direct anger that really belongs at him, you know, at, at the lower levels, you know. So, so they're gonna back him all all the way, you know, when he, when he does that. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Well, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. Well, well gentlemen, uh, is there any closing topics we have? Yeah, I was yeah, gonna just bring is. up. Uh, the, Oh, go ahead, Mark. If you got a, something else, go for it. Well, well, maybe the most important one, right? I mean, so far, how many eighty thousand uh, of the mobilized people are are you know in Ukraine on the front? So you know, two hundred thousand are still on the way. So you know, what is going to be the new balance? You know, because uh, the Ukrainian expectation is that you know they're going to be keep on being on offensive. You know, they're going to go on offensive somewhere. I don't know, in Zaporozhye, cut the Russians in half. You know. Uh, cut the land bridge, isolate Crimea, and you know the the expectation, you know, on the pro-Russian side, you know, for 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 a lot of them is like, oh, there's going to be this Russian winter offensive, you know, that's going to totally blow the Ukrainians out of the water, you know. So, so 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 where between these two is is the real truth, and and you know, I don't know, but 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 you know, I, I'm going to watch carefully, you know, to. To, to 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 try to learn and you know like add the indications and so on what do you guys think i mean uh, isn't it just simple math marco it's just not enough it's just not enough men uh well they they do have more they do have more uh mechanization even now you know even now they're they're spending more 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 shells than the other side they have more tanks so you know that does also matters uh, to a degree but but look i i you know what i think I, I don't know which side is going is going to have the initiative now, but but uh, it's not going to be decisive for for either one. You know, it, it's not going to be some great thing. You know, where they like encircle, you know, and you know march off twenty thousand people in, into prisoner war camps. You know, which is actually you know the only way you you know you can remotely w win stuff like like this quickly. So you know, so like I don't know who's going to have the initiative, but. It, 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 I think it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, this initiative is gonna be weak enough that it's just gonna be, you know, just bloodletting, you know, just just Iraq Iran war stuff, you know, going forward. I mean, maybe maybe not. We, we're gonna see, but 
Yeah. Marco, um, if I had to, if someone put a gun to your head and was like, is it going to be in, in three months? Are we going to see more of a frozen conflict or are we going to see, you know, territories changing hands? What, what, what would your prediction be? I know you don't like making well, predictions. Well, well, I mean, you know, when, when I talk about, you know, frozen conflict, frozen war, what I mean is, you know, stuff like stuff like uh, South Ossetia and Transnistria, you know, like stuff where, you know, the conflict is, isn't resolved, but, but there is no war going on. Okay, uh, right. So I guess my question but, 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 is, do you uh, think, uh, yeah. You think if, if the front is going to be more static or, or more than exactly, more exactly, exactly. I, I, yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be more static. I mean, you, you know, you might have territory changing hands, but it, it's not going to be anything, you know, to write home about. Well, uh, there are there's rumors or whatever that it would actually be that the 300,000 is expected to be scaled up to 1.2 million. Um, if we're talking 1.2 million, which is a big ask considering how mobilization has gone so far, uh, then we wouldn't have a static war. But I think all indications seem to point to the fact that uh, at least a certain faction within the Russian elite wants an end to this, or they want to scale this down, and they're afraid of escalation, as they've shown multiple times during this conflict. So uh, we'll have to see. I'm also interested in the reaction of the Russian public and if that's going to manifest into anything because it seems like but, uh yeah. but 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 you know but you know what if if your idea was uh i'm happy with what we got you know right now you know let, let's just keep what we have and, and let's not do and 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 let's just get ukrainians you know to to they're never going to recognize it you know but to stop trying to take it back uh the best way to do that is actually yes to mobilize one point two million people, you know, and just show Ukrainians, look, you stand no chance, okay? You just stand no chance, j just give it up. And, and like, you know, and also, you know, start uh, increasing your armaments production, you know, greatly. And, you know, then the other chance, the other side sees they have no chance, you know. But when you're doing, when you're cheap skating and being so slow, you know, to, to mobilize on, on, on your end, then, you know, Ukrainians were totally correct, you know, to, to, to think that, that this gives them an, an opportunity to get at least some of the territory back, which they had done, you know, which, you know, in, in since September they have done, they have got, you know, considerable territory back. And, 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 you know, if you're going to keep that being that, you know, that slow to, to gear up, then that the other side just sees, okay, look, you know, like it's just tiny little Ukraine. I mean, compared to Russia, it, you know, it's small, doesn't have that much of a defense sector. And, but you know, like we, with Western help, like it it gives them it, it gives them a realistic chance. Like like, why wouldn't they stay in the war? Why wouldn't they keep trying? So 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 it's really strange. It's more like by by cheap skating, it's more like you're trying to undermine this. I, I, you know, I, I I don't know. This is like a recipe for 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 you know for 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 pointless bloodletting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, to see what happens next few months. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of things to look for, and I'll end it on this. Uh, let's see what happens within Russia. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't in the liberal opposition who are very who are asking a lot of questions. Uh, there's a feeling that there are traitors in the government, and this message has become really amplified. I mean, like if it was just sort of the usual cranks talking about it in the summer. 
it's definitely now, you know, it's a problem and we're going to see how that plays out. And it's, it's, I think it's for me always reporting on this. I was, I got, I started writing about this because I was excited by the changes that I thought I saw were happening in Russia. And yeah, there have been big changes, but you know, everyone's waiting for the, the big heads to roll, you know, the people that we know, uh, are criminals or incompetence and, or not on the right side. And, you know, they still have their positions for now. And I, it might be like a face saving thing. Like they don't want to get rid of them because it looks bad. It might be that they're too entrenched. It might be that they're too connected, whatever. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see, but that's what I've mostly been interested in. And my interest in that remains, it'll be interesting to see what the pro Russia blogosphere, what 5d chess explanation they come up with now, because they, they behave like propagandists. They have to tow this weird party line. And I don't know why they've limited themselves to that role. Um, uh, Marco says it's group therapy, but you know, their, their inflexibility seems to me that they're like, they're, they're self-styled propagandists. And that's the a dead giveaway of a propagandist is that he can never break from the established narrative, no matter how crazy it is. Yes. He he's got very little room to maneuver. And, and the, 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 the funny thing is that the narrative within Russia changes like at breakneck speeds one day one week it's literally anyone who says that we're going to get rid of Hassan as a british agent the next week this is the most logical thing anyone who's against it is you know a british agent so it it's it must be tough to 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 be able to 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 to, to, to force yourself to come up with a semi coherent narrative to justify this extreme uh you know change in narrative that's coming out very very quickly from the kremlin right now they're going to start talking yeah, about and, how yeah and, and 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 meanwhile you know meanwhile of, of you know the actual russian language bloggers you know since Kharkov, they're like all strelkovites you know it, it's just you know like soft strelkovites or hard strelkovites you know but but yeah no totally yeah, and, and, you, and you know why it's because normal russians i mean especially the of the patriotic variety they, they can't afford to live in this candy land word salad thing that has been built by these disaffected westerners who at the end of the day are just grifters you know they're not actually it's just a horse race for them and russians have to live with the consequences because it's their country so they don't they don't get to live in unicorn land you know and yeah, pretend it, that everything look- is okay Imagine, imagine if if you're in Kherson and you actually b- believe that you know believe believe the Russian government. No, it's, yeah, no, you don't have the luxury of, because of the dam. Like, yeah, like you don't if have you the luxury of that, that. They, that they're gonna defend you forever and you stay, you know, and and then when it suddenly you know announce a surprise withdrawal, you you stay there and now you know you're under Ukrainian occupation. It's 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 like it's life threatening to believe the Russian government if you're a Russian. Yeah, and um, to be fair, in Russia, you do still have a lot of these people who haven't figured out what's going on. I mean, that's just the eternal normie condition, not just not just being constantly baffled by why things occur and seeking emotionally satisfying responses instead of trying to seek out the cold, hard truth. It's uh, it cuts across, I'd say, national boundaries. It's there's there's just a certain segment of the population that's always you know, that's why grifters are so hated. It's, it's like they're exploiting uh, gullible people. And what we're doing is we're like, we're trying to, you know, if, if everyone was this like super rational person who could like logically analyze everything, there'd be no need for pundits. It's, you know, pundits and, and analysts and bloggers 
what they're doing is they're is they're literally like telling people what to think by like lending yeah, them but a piece also of their brain. Time. But you know, it, it, it's also it takes time investment. You know, not not everybody has that. You know, if you're building right. bridges, you know, maybe you don't have the time to to be you know keeping up in all this politics. Yeah, I I think I will end it on the point that we started with, uh, which is that people, if if you know, you don't have to be an expert in bridge building, but what you should do is you should look at the engineers that built you know a bridge that fell apart, and then you should compare it to the results of engineers that built a bridge that didn't fall apart. You know, let's look at the results here. Let's look at someone said that this would happen. Did it happen? Someone tried to sell you on this narrative, which has totally fallen apart. You have to be able to at least apply that lens to things. Like if you know someone's lied before, you know, that if people thought about that, the COVID thing wouldn't have been such a big problem. They'd be like, well, I know this guy has lied before. I know that he lied again. I just caught him lying. And yet they still believe him on the fourth time round. Like at what point can people start, start, start like just, again, you don't have to be a bridge expert. You don't have to know about vaccines and mRNA yeah, technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the system too. System one is I was listening to this guy and I felt good. And I, and then I listened to that guy and he made me angry. So, yeah, yeah. And people got to move past that guys. This, we have to treat this like a lesson. COVID was a really great wake up call. You know, a lot of lessons were there to be learned from it. This is another great wake up call. There's a lot to learn about military realities, about, you know, the treacherousness of, of the, the political class. Uh, so much to learn if you just open your mind to it and you know, don't think with your feels, but, you know, think with your head and uh, whatever. I, I know, like Marco says that we're like, we're like really unpopular and everything, but I don't think so. I think the message is starting to get through. Uh, I think people are waking up to it. I think people are learning um, and yeah, we just no, got to keep no, going no, at no, it. No. No, absolutely. Since since hardcore, like like it, 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 it you know, uh, well, I, I've gone mainstream. You know, I have all of a sudden I have you know a bunch of buddies you know on Twitter who 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 are exactly with me. You know, it's it's, it's totally different. All right, gentlemen, I have a box of King Kali that I have to eat, so I have to end it here. Good talk, guys. Until next time, and thank you guys for listening. Show us your support. We're going to be here for a while, and uh, we're glad that you're here with us. Till next time.